Inga, thanks for joining us. How are you? Doing well. Try to get it so you don't get the, the sunlight coming in. Yeah, it is a problem, isn't it? Not much of an issue, that, in Britain, strangely. <laughs> we're, we're okay. It's not a concern. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. I'm really, really looking forward to speaking to you. I mean, it struck me when I was sort of reading uh, the intro of the show earlier and I was sort of rattling off a list of your achievements professionally. It kind of made me wonder what I've been doing with my life, really. Uh, but it's very impressive. So I suppose the first thing to say, congratulations on that score. Thank you. You know, you just we just go on living our lives and you never know if you always want to make sure you're doing the right thing and that you're living it fully. Yeah, well, try to do that. Talking of doing the right thing, you seem almost um, unique and this is changing, but it, it is growing of, of athletes sticking their head above the parapet on this issue of, you know, the conflation of gender ideology and the imposition of it on, on female sports. And it seems like there can be a, you know, a consequence to your reputation uh for speaking up about this basically just outlining a few basic facts of biology can get you in trouble and maligned and smeared and i just wondered maybe you could speak to how your experience of that has been it, it's been brutal it's been brutal just trying to speak about science to try to speak about biology and to and to still hold truth in our words and, and truth in society. I know the, the last podcast that I did, it um, when you start lying to people and you start taking science and biology and rewriting science and rewriting biology to follow a lie and to change the language, then then what happens so what happens to the fabric of society when you can't state the truth? And then if I was to look at you and state, um, I'm a man. We all know that, I, that I'm not, that if I take testosterone, I will be a masculinized woman and I may identify as a man, but the biology is I will be a woman. And, you know, now you see people identifying as cats or as deer and, and they can have that self-belief. But if you ask me to follow along with their delusion, there's something wrong there. And and I've always been about speaking the truth. I started off, oh, geez, way back when, you know, speaking up against doping when it wasn't popular to speak up against doping. And, you know, and I got hammered for it. And I'm okay with that because I know that if I'm speaking my truth and I'm pointing out obvious facts, we should be able to allow to have this freedom of speech and to not be canceled. And also to try to keep, keep coming back, keep the fabric of our society together. You know, I and, sorry, I, I just wanted to pick up. I think, you know, it's beautiful what you said there about truth. And I think that that's really important. And I mean, so just to get a baseline on this conversation, for some reason, I mean, it's a scientific fact that humans uh, cannot change their sex. There are two human sexes. And this has a massive impact on many things for perfectly understandable biological reasons. No more is this more pronounced really than in, in competitive sports on the, on the big stage. But I suppose for me, this, this fact of, you know, scientific biological, biological fact is apolitical. It's not a left leaning fact. It's not a right leaning fact. It has nothing to do with conservatism, liberalism, religion. But why has this one thing become so politicized to the point where, for instance, somebody asserting the, 
binary nature of human sex will be labeled far right, for instance. How, how have we got to this point with, with such a basic fundamental scientific fact can be so politically charged? Um, because society is allowing this to happen. You know, I, I don't know if this is a fair analogy or not, but when you look back at the Nazis and the extermination camps, and everybody was scared to speak up because they would lose their jobs and they would get they would get sent off to the uh, concentration camps and there was there was a real fear there to keep their lives intact and, and to keep their families intact and to not be it, it's a real fear and you could see why people were quiet like there there's a woman here in my town that was a teenager during World War II and. And, and according to her, the vast majority of Germans did not believe in the movement, but there was such control that they couldn't say anything without getting shipped off or somehow how hurt. And, and now you're kind of seeing the same thing. If people speak up, they, they're losing their jobs. They're, they're shamed, they're canceled, they're, you know, and nothing's worse in society than being shamed. So you see a lot of self-preservation going on so many people support me behind the scenes and it's always the same thing. We can't see anything publicly. And this is the issue that people have to have the bravery to speak up publicly about this because you can't cancel all of us. If one person speaks up and then another person, you can systematically cancel or go after them. But if everybody was to speak up at once and say, this is ridiculous and, and to educate yourself. And this is one of the, I try to stay in my own lane with just sports but I think to be well-informed, you have to, to follow all of it. You have to follow the prisons. You have to follow the rape centers and what's going on. You have to follow what's happening to the children in school. You have to look at what's happening to the, the, the definition of an adult human female. Um, you have to look at, at the money behind this movement. And when you look at the 30,000-foot the, the view of it, there is a massive movement, but it's by a very small minority that seems to have the power. They seem to have the money. When you look at, say, read uh, Jennifer Bilek, B-I-L-E-K, I'm not pronouncing it correctly, and you read her in-depth, um, um, she has studied this. And when you look at the, I think it's like over a half a billion dollars has gone into this movement in order to keep it going. And it's all these small charities. And when you have that much money backing it, you can kind of start getting an idea of how this is happening and how big pharma is behind it. And you, 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 can, you can look behind the scenes and see how this is allowed. And, yeah. Um, and so, I mean, just to pick up on that point, I mean, it's interesting about this idea of getting an overview of everything. I mean, you mentioned there you, you focus and you specialize on sports and you're very knowledgeable about that. But I think to really, like you say, to really understand the whole thing, you have to look at the bigger picture because it, it all seems part and parcel of the same ideology that's being pushed. And for the longest time, it was sort of dismissed as, well, it, it's a minority. How does it affect you? It doesn't affect your life. And that's we've gone from that very quickly to seeing this ideology take over governments, academia, yeah. you know, the media cycle, sports institutions. So, I mean, before we get into the nitty gritty of that, it might be useful for some of our listeners and viewers to just understand the biological differences between male and females on average that have such consequences 
for competitive sports to the sense that female categories are completely necessary and should be separate from male categories. What what are some of our differences that would would be you know advantageous on the uh, on the sporting field? Well, okay, right out of the gate, sex is determined at conception, and if you get the Y from your father, you know you're going to be a girl. You're an XX. If you get I'm sorry, if you get the Y, you're going to be male. If you get the X, you're going to be, you're going to be a woman. You're going to be XX. And it, and it starts in utero and it, it starts at conception. And, and through this process, even in the uterus, there's small testosterone surges that go on for males. And, and then this happens before, you know, the uh, puberty, there are small testosterone surges that goes on. And this does not happen with the girls. And so now you have a uh, bigger heart, bigger lungs, um, stronger tendons. I mean, we all know what a male means. And something we all learned in kindergarten was males are stronger and faster. And, and let, let me back up here. So when I first started this, I was absolutely sympathetic to this movement that, you know, that they are marginalized and this is a difficult life. And as a, you know, as a woman, men will not understand what I go through, going through puberty and, and developing breasts and, and having a menstrual cycle and the hormone fluctuations up and down. And, and at the same time, I will never understand what a man goes through when they have these huge testosterone sur surges and how they view life. And at the same time, what a, a, a transgender woman goes through or a transgender man, we will never understand you know, their struggle with their identity and who they are and the body that they're in. But despite that, you, you cannot, this comes down to a mental issue. The gender dysphoria is, is an issue that is best handled with the practitioners that handle this in order to help them move through having a, a healthy self-identity. And even if that means that it's transgender. And, but it is not on women's backs to carry the issues of men with gender dysphoria. And, and to help them doesn't mean that the women have to give up our rights and our sex segregated spaces. Like it, it is not right for a man with gender dysphoria feeling like he's a woman. Okay, that's okay, but you don't put him into women's sports to help him with his gender dysphoria because women's emotions and feelings and our human rights are just as important and they're equal to transgender women's rights. But at but their rights should not trample upon our rights. And so they have these, these, these challenges that they're going through. And now we can't even call it a mental illness. Up until a couple of years ago, it was classified as a, as a mental illness. Yeah, it was in the DSM, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and there's, so there's a changing of the language, and we can't call it what it is. And I'm not saying that they, that they have to stay within the sex that they were born, but it is a mental illness. And this is where the language has been changed. The same thing that what a woman is has been changed. And if we can't hold on to our language, then we can't hold on to having truth. And, and so I've watched this throughout the past five years that the language keeps changing. We went from woman to womex, you know, there was an X in there and two, we were, then we became uterus havers and we became menstruators and we became, we became chest feeders. And these are all descriptors of what a woman is, but you can't, call me like, like I'm an adult human female. And now I've become a uterus haver or a menstruator. And, 
and that is not that is not right to change the language. We have to have a word that describes something that that can't be changed. And to I call think, transgender women women, they're not. That hence the word trans. They a transgender woman is a transgender woman, and and cis woman is a description. But I am I am a woman. Does yeah. It, does that no, I mean, I, 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 yeah, completely. And I think, I mean, you would have noticed this better than most, but it seems to be a movement that disproportionately disadvantages women. And you, you often find sort of female to male trans individuals will still compete within the female category, for instance, rather than choose to compete with with the men. You, you make some great points about the erasure of the female identity. I don't know if you, you may not have seen this, but um, in the UK, one of our news channels ran a segment that had nothing to do with transgenderism or gender. It was to show uh, in the current climate how people are struggling with bills and managing family life and things like that. And the way oh, they... Yeah. The sorry, struggling mother. That's the one, yeah. And they 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 show in a very brief clip of a struggling woman, a mother doing womanly things that all women do, apparently, like loading the dishwasher, uh, a <laughs> washing machine. That. You know, some excellent womaning from this individual, uh, but quite clearly uh, a trans-identified male. And it was just dropped in there as if this is the authentic woman. This is their experience, and they were even referred to as a mother without question. Whereas we are told to use more inclusive language now when describing you know actual women as sort of birthing people things like that and it, it does often make you wonder and i don't like to be someone who throws labels around but is there a a level of misogyny underpinning a lot of this it seems to benefit men and, and silence women you, you know I, I i try to walk this line without saying this but since you started it i will do it <laughs> <laughs> and and this is exactly what we've seen that the few transgender people that, that I interact with and that I know are quietly living their lives. Yes. They have gender dysphoria. They're quietly living their lives. And when you start seeing these transgender women demanding to be called a woman and demanding to be in women's spaces to the point that you are called transphobic, if you're like, hey, well, j just a second, can't we have a conversation about this? And you're instantly labeled as transphobic. What you're seeing here is a combination of autogynephilia, which is the the fetishization of becoming a woman. It's very taboo to talk about that, isn't it? Yeah, it and and it's it's a fetish, is what it is. You know, the fantasy of being a woman. And then it was like, I demand that women accept me into their spaces. I mean, and and you're seeing this in like the spas and and rape shelters where transgender women are coming in with women that have been um, you know sexually assaulted and raped and they're demanding the equal services and it's it's back to this fetish and then and then then you start wrapping in when they're demanding that then we have massaging going on so how is it that 51 percent of the world is a woman are women and this very small 0.001 percent is asking for more rights than what what women have and, and to fail to acknowledge that they have male biology, this is where the misogyny comes in. And, and I'm kind of jumping around here. I was listening to one of Caitlin, uh, Caitlin Jenner's interviews. And this is a person that I do respect because they have gender dysphoria. They acknowledge that they have gender dysphoria. And at the same time, they will say, 
I am male. And that is, that is a emotionally balanced person that you're talking to that, that can acknowledge their gender dysphoria and acknowledge that they have male biology. You're not going to see Caitlyn Jenner demanding to go into an, a, a gynecologist. Woman of the year, Caitlyn Jenner, full title, please. Uh, Bruce Jenner. But <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> well, you make a great point because people make this mistake and the long pin transgender people. I mean, first of all, I, I find this the push for this ideology is coming from mostly non-trans activists, first of all. Right. Secondly, like I've had the same experience as you with trans people. I've interacted with all sorts of trans people from you know left-leaning loons who push the ideology to sort of right-leaning conservatives who want nothing to do with gender ideology, just want to live their life and don't want any privileges. So I think it, it's important to say that trans people suffering from gender dysphoria or whatever, they're quite a diverse bunch of people in terms of their worldview, aren't they? They're not all singing from the same hymn sheet of gender lunacy. Yeah, you, um, the, the ones that I, that I say that have, they're dealing with their gender dysphoria, they're emotionally balanced, um, utmost respect there. And so these new rules and laws open up the loophole for the people that, that are the misogynists. And I wouldn't have said this five years ago, but I will say this now, that anybody that agrees with transgender people in women's spaces with no limits and no boundaries, this is a full-on assault of women and women's rights. And what better way to, um, we fought for our rights to say, okay, we want that space now as well. No, th th this is, this, these spaces are reserved for women. Like, I know one of the things that piqued me was probably about 2015. Um, you know, as you start going through menopause and talking to the doctors about any, any of the women, 100% of women will eventually go through menopause, you know, if we live to that age and that there was zero, zero research, not zero, but almost zero research going on with women going through menopause. And when I was asking them about this, like, well, all of the emphasis is for the gynecologist to be treating transgender women. I'm like, hold, hold on here just a second. Men already have great health care, and women have something that's very specific to them. Menopause. Zero research is going on there, and all of the resources are going into, with a gynecologist, how to treat trans transgender women. And, and, and we have to have our sex-segregated spaces for our health, and for privacy, and for sports, and, and, and to take this delusion and to put it into all of women's spaces is wrong and and we have to start women have to start speaking up to to maintain these spaces yeah i mean this is um a bit of a left field thought that, that, that just just come to me actually and i'm just trying to think of the right way to word it so i suppose this idea of men competing in women's sports, however they identify, is a no-go for me. I think it's a terrible idea. I think it's obvious that it's a terrible idea. It should never have happened, and it shouldn't happen. However, has the unintended outcome of this been that people have been able to see, in no uncertain terms, the impact of this ideology? When you look at someone like Leah Thomas, who's quite clearly yeah. male, when you look at someone like Laurel Hubbard, uh, you know, people who have made headlines, these 
biologically male athletes alongside women. When you see that in terms of podiums and competitions, that really puts this ide ideology out in front of people who normally wouldn't get eyes on it. In a way, has allowing men to compete against women in sports push this conversation forward to the point where we can feel more comfortable pushing back now? Does that question make any sense? Yes, I think I think sports makes it so obvious. And I think sports will be the tipping point. Yeah. When when they're demanding to be in sports, because I think all of us laughed at it at first. And so let me go back with the history here. So the International Olympic Committee, when you look at one of their publications when this first started, what they said was most of the transitions will happen with men who are in their 40s. So it will never affect us in in, in in elite sports at the International Olympic Committee. And so here we are, um, actually I'm jumping ahead of myself. And so it was passed on ideology and politics and a lot of money from the background. And, and it was allowed to happen if transgender women had gone through sexual reassignment surgery. And then from there, they um, because of the Kristen Worley case, so Kristen Worley looked at, at the rules and, and it said, if they went through sexual reassignment surgery, they could compete with the women. So they did this and then found that their health was suffering because they had zero testosterone and a male body is made to have testosterone. If they don't have enough, if you look in, a, in any medical, talk to a doctor, that would be an unhealthy, unhealthy body and they'd give you more testosterone. So Kristen Worley got a therapeutic use exemption to bring her testosterone or his testosterone up to 20 nanomoles per liter which is the low range for men. And so then you got the TUE. And, and this opened the door to self-identification. Um, so instead of making these transgender women go through sexual reassignment surgery, like, well, we'll just allow self-ID. And the door kept opening and, and opening. And so here comes the International Olympic Committee and says, we see no perceived um, advantage of testosterone. Well, this was a misleading statement because, say, within the women's field and within the men's field, if you keep it separate, within the women's field, I raced at somewhere between 0.5 to 0.9 nanomoles per liter. Some other women uh, were probably at, at 2 nanomoles per liter. So within the women's field, there wasn't a perceived advantage if you had a higher testosterone, one woman, between women. And the same in the men's field. But they took that, and it was misleading to stay there's no presumption of, of advantage with having testosterone between men and women. Well, we, <laughs> we combined with the Y chromosome, we, we know that, that it is. So there's been a lot of deception in order to keep this in place because it was never about fairness. It was about inclusion because of this ideology and a lot of money. I'm convinced that the IOC has been purchased to allow this to go through because what should have happened is it should have been proven that it was fair before they allowed the transgender women to come in. And so now they're in, and now we have over 20 peer reviewed scientific studies that show that it's not fair. And they're like, well, I don't know. I think we need a few more studies. We're not quite sure. And you're like, you know, we've tried to put forth science. We've tried to put forth evidence and it's like, Oh, you know, we're not going to look at it. You have to put it through the men. You have to submit it this way. You have to submit it that way. And it's been five years of this game of them ignoring us, asking to, let's look at the current science. 
Well, they have the science and they're ignoring it. So Xavier Bigard is the medical commissioner for um, the International Cycling Union. And he goes through all these studies and it shows how unfair it is to the women. And he summarizes it with, well, basically inclusion is more important than fairness for women. So you have all of these institutions that have been bought. I'm convinced of this. And they look at the science and they discredit it. So it's got to be the money behind it because the rest of us, the, the, the other 90% of us are like, we all figured this out in elementary school. Yeah. And I mean, isn't this, this idea of testosterone levels a massive red herring in it anyway? Because aren't the advantages gained from testosterone mostly gained during puberty? So I think the issue is that right. if you're a male that has high levels of testosterone, you get all the advantages of that during puberty, whereas a woman doesn't. So if your testosterone levels are the same or similar to a, a female in your adulthood, you've still got all the advantages of, you know, right. bigger, you know, bone density, height, uh, you know, grip strength, muscle mass, speed, all the things that give typically people an edge in, in sort of competitive sports. Right. We take away your testosterone and you can't uncook the egg. You are male with all of the advantages of the Y chromosome and then going through puberty and becoming a man that never gets negated. If we take away all your testosterone, you're still going to, you still have more, it, all of those advantages are retained. And then especially now what they're showing is if you have a transgender woman who is not an athlete, they will still retain a 10 to 45% advantage of, you take away all their testosterone, they're still 10 to 45% stronger. Well, now they're doing tests with transgender women who are athletes. And they're showing that they're only losing one to 3% of the advantage as a male. So as a male, take away their testosterone and they train, they're only coming down one to 3%. So the advantage is, is even greater than the last studies. And it's back to that. You, you just can't uncook the egg. I can't, we just can't feminize you and become, and have you become a woman once you take away your testosterone. You're, you're just now a male with low testosterone, but you're still going to be stronger. Yeah. How frustrating is it for you to see this conversation play out? Because obviously female athletes are, are extraordinary people to reach that level within their class. It, the, the amount of dedication, training, commitment that takes, then just to be disadvantaged or lose a spot or lose a medal to a mediocre male. And the general emphasis of the, the you know, the, the commentary from people is, is often very dismissive because it's female sports as though it, as though it matters more to, you know, play along with the delusions of, of men than it does to protect the hard work of women. How, how frustrating is this for you? <laughs> it, it is as frustrating as, have you ever gotten into an argument with somebody who believes that the earth is flat? Yeah. <laughs> you can... <laughs> You can point out the obvious. You can show them the science and then do this. Well, what about? And it's funny you should bring this up because I've started referring to these people as gender flat earthers because the, the comparison is, is very similar, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. You can put forth the science and then they do the what about. And and sometimes I've, I've called this a virtue signaling because yeah. if they actually state the obvious, then they get roasted potentially lose their jobs. Um, and so they do have to play along. And, and 
it, it, it is beyond frustrating to have a conversation about a flat earth, point out the science. So like you go up in an airplane. Well, it only looks round because the airplane windows are round or, um, you know, it, I don't even know to start with those. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is insane that there are people out there. And, and the problem is it, it, it's almost good intentioned, I think, because a lot of people cling on to this idea that our sex differences in terms of our physiology is socialized, that if I, if the average woman was just trained in a specific way they could uh, beat the best male athlete or at least be at the same level. And unfortunately, biology makes that impossible. But it, it comes from a place of, I suppose, people think if they were to, if it were true that any differences between male and female were entirely cultural, then it'd be easier to wipe away sexism and, and any sort of bigotry. I think, I think they're working backwards from this sort of utopian life of we're all the same blank slate individuals. And I think that's causing a lot of the issue. Does it come from a well-intentioned place? Do you feel sometimes? I do believe it comes from a well-intentioned place and, and yet we have to have struggles throughout life in order as, as humans to, to become better and to be challenged and to be tested and to have a life that everything is handed to you without challenge it's not realistic. We, we like I said, we, we need these challenges to become who we become. Like one of the arguments we hear about sports is, well, you know, if the, if, uh, if we all had access to equal coaching and to equal money and to, uh, to training centers that that's the real issue with women's sports. They just don't have enough opportunities there. Well, they're finding that's not the case. I mean, so many people come from impoverished backgrounds. Like when you look at all the best, you know, uh, football players are coming out of, you know, difficult homes. Um, you look at all of the, the the amazing runners that come like from Jamaica and Rwanda. I mean, just they're, they're coming from these impoverished backgrounds. And you can... Somalia uh, seems seem to pr produce some excellent runners yeah, as well. And, yeah. You know, I didn't have a coach when I was racing a bike and we didn't have access to the best training. And difficult things like this really help develop, I'll, I'll stay in athletics, develops us as people and, and teaches us how to push beyond um, the limits that are put forth in front of us. Like I was told growing up, women don't have sports. You can't do that. That is all I've ever heard is you can't do that. And I, when uh, the Women's Tour de France started, I'm like, I want to do the Women's Tour de France back when I thought I could just sign up and go do it. Like, you know, like I could as a runner, I could just sign up and go race. And and then I saw there was a women's Olympics and I heard all I ever heard from the people around me was, you can't do that. You would never make it. You, um, and I'm like, just watch me. I may not make it, but just you watch me. And I went out and I bought myself a bike. I mean, the first few races I did, I had my dad's, you know, some Schwinn varsity beast that was like 50 pounds. And, and, and that, that them people telling me that I couldn't, was my driving factor. And so when you, and I saw so many athletes that came from, you know, parents that were super supportive and they had all this money and they had all this background and just kind of felt like they didn't really have to fight for it. And, and, I, and I'm proud of the fact that I've had to fought for it. And I just did a podcast with Lance the, the other day and he was talking about how he had to fight to, I mean, th that's a different story. I won't go there, but it, um, as part of the development of us as athletes is to... Talking about Lance Armstrong. What's that? 
would he say Lance? Was it Lance Armstrong? Oh, we had done a podcast, and he just talked about coming from just name drop Lance fabric. Armstrong in there. Yeah, just... but I'm getting slammed for you know bringing him into the conversation here. Um, but he did make some great points about coming from a difficult background and you know a single mom and wanting to prove his way. I'm, I'm sorry that that drugs became kind of part of that, but different story that's a different story oh. for sure i mean i just want to get your your view on i mean obviously sport has been instrumental in bringing this issue to the forefront and put, put it in front of many people who hadn't really considered what what was going on or had no idea how far this ideology had, had spread but i mean what what is it going to take uh, a, a trans woman winning a gold medal at the olympics to finally put the nail in the coffin is it going to take uh, you know a, a female getting severely hurt or worse uh, at the hands of a, another male athlete before people really start thinking it's time to pull the plug on this this crazy experiment? I've said this before five years ago, and I hate it when it feels like it's kind of coming true, is that they won't do anything until there are no more women on the podium. And I think a prime example of this is in the 800 meters when you had Castor Semina in there and the other two transgender women who were 46XY DSD, yeah, so that's like a inter the, intersex condition, isn't it? Right, it's an intersex. We're not even talking self-ID. We're talking about the intersex condition where they are not women with no uterus. They are males with internal gonads. And so they have the, the extra testosterone. They still have the Y. But when the podium had no more women on it, then World Athletics came in and they made the changes that they made. And now World Athletics has stepped up to the plate again and said that, you know, if you have gone through puberty, then you can't compete with the women. And hopefully the next step will be that it's just, we go back to the way that it used to be, which is um, a cotton swab on the inside of your cheek. And you just take some cells. And if you come up with XX, you compete with the women. And we had gender verification cards. And I'm hoping that this is where we end up is back to, um, if you want to be in, in the protected women's category, you have a gender verification card and that's that. And you don't have this separating out of, of children and encouraging children to go through, um, through a transition medically and with surgery. I, yeah. I just don't think we should be pushing that onto children because they're children. Oh, yeah, I want to. I'd like to pick up on that point with you, actually. But just to keep on on sport for a second, and you, I, I'm fairly optimistic. I, I hope you seem like you may be as well. That more like you used the word peaked before on this issue. Much many more people are becoming peaked. Seems like a lot of the sporting bodies are realizing their positions are untenable and are starting to roll thing things back to the way they were. The wheels are falling off, it seems to me, and <laughs> yeah. which kind of beg you know invites the question as to whether women that hurt, you know picked up a bronze medal when really they would have got gold or lost a qualifying space because of this lunacy and, and which what what is town to mount as far as I'm concerned to cheating it's no different than to me than losing to somebody who was doping perhaps uh, is there something to be said for retroactive uh, correction of the record for their achievements perhaps some form of uh, compensation for how they've missed out due to going up against male athletes that's a tough one because this has been going on for years and you might get your medal, but the, the loss goes beyond the medal. The loss is having that opportunity to be on the podium and having a world championship Jersey. Um, 
an athlete's life is generally five to 10 years. And so they've lost the, the endorsements and they've lost the money. But, but getting the medal is nice, but it kind of feels like, you know, they're there pat on the back. I mean, this, 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 lun- it, it is, it's lunacy. It, it has to stop. It's infuriating because it, it, it very much often, like you say, the people, women who dedicate their lives to this and this going for the big prize is almost, you know, very frequently a one time deal. It's now or never. This is my moment. Everything's fell into place and this is my time. And then you get bested by a mediocre man. And I just can't imagine the psychological impact, the, the, the feeling of pure injustice at, at that. And then you look out to the rest of the world and they're applauding the winner uh, as stunning and brave i mean wh- yeah and, <laughs> and you see the transgender you know even if they're not getting first you have women <laughs> i'm saying this again and again in cycling it's like a woman will have got first and second and the transgender athlete got third fourth fifth and they're interviewing the transgender athlete because that's the new hip thing you're transphobic if you don't cover them and the women are absolutely ignored in their own sport for the coverage of the transgender woman. And that that's another form of a theft going on. Yeah. Is it's the virtue signaling of, like when I talk to the women in cycling right now, they're talking about what the all of the transgender women are getting better sponsorship and more product and more visibility and more of everything because they're a transgender woman. And so the theft isn't just of the medals, it's of the sponsorship and, and everything that goes along so that you can support yourself to race. The bulk of it is going to the transgender women because it's the new hip thing going on. Yeah, it reminds yeah. me of the, the, the Nike sports bra controversy was a, a, a big deal for many, wasn't it? Using a, a female, oh, was- a, sorry, a male individual to advertise the Nike sports bra. Yeah. Dylan, that, yeah. Uh, it was- it was that was such a slap in the face to women athletes. I, I generally don't have a problem with Dylan, you know, Mavani. It's like do what you want to do. But when they got into advertising women's sports bras, okay. But then to flit around and prance around, <laughs> and then to fall on the ground and kick their feet around, it was such a slap in the face to women athletes. Yeah, I mean, they're there, and someone's like, well, you know, look at women's gymnastics. I'm like, there is no comparison to the grace and the power of Simone Biles and the moves that she can do and and Dylan throwing himself on the ground and going I'm a woman you know it it just it was a slap in the face and it's like transgender people you know can have their place but to co-opt being a woman athlete I'm, so, I'm sorry but just no <laughs> and, hasn't this ideology I mean it's so regressive to me it seems like it's gone f- full circle so it kind of positions it positions itself as progressive and very tolerant and liberal but you know you scratch the surface and all it seems to be doing is reinforcing some very retrograde stereotypes about women and i'm sure you you, you being a sporting type uh would have misogyny is all it is yeah i mean you you being a a sporting type obviously i I imagine you you would have received pushback uh, about you know uh, athleticism and and strength and things like that being male traits and not feminine and things like that and a lot of women have spent a lot of time emancipating themselves from them kind of attitudes so they can you know live the life they want and now we're in a situation where we're being told the authentic woman is someone like dylan who prances around like you say in heels and falls about the place and he's very silly uh almost a you know a pantomime version of a woman so it seems like there's a lot of reinforcement of 
very negative female stereotypes that we seem to have we thought we'd moved away from yeah and that this is where i'm calling it the misogyny anybody who supports that in the future you're really going to see it for the misogyny it is to do the pantomime of woman we've we've heard the term like like when you see white people making fun of black people we call it blackface mm. and it is racist yeah. to do that and I feel the same way when, when men put on women face and then they, they do this caricature of us that we're all about handing out tampons <laughs> and jumping around and acting girly. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I have a whole bunch of teenage girls that come up here and they're always around here. I never see them acting like that. And these are teenage girls. And so, and, and this is why you hear it called woman face because they are doing this, caricature of a woman and it is it's truly a slap in the face and we can also look at when i was growing up we had the gender non-conforming we had you know david bowie and we had Sinead o'connor and we had um prince and all of us were very very accepting of the gender non-conforming people i mean they're, they're cool and they're hip but you never saw those gender non-conforming people saying that I have more rights than anybody else has rights. And that's what's the, the problem with the trans is they feel like they have more rights because they have gender dysphoria. I'm like, you know, you don't have more rights. You have equal rights, but you don't have more rights to trample on the rights of women. Yeah. And, and we should respect them for what they do, but it doesn't give, yeah, I mean, it, it I, I hope we get back to common sense. And I think that we're getting there because for a long time, trans was being trans was trendy. And so you see the social contagion of this, that it's, it's nothing more than like when I was growing up, we had goth and then we yeah. had, you know, and then we had the Farrah Fawcett era. And then we had the, uh, the, the, the pot smokers era. And then we had, so you can see generations going through. We all want to be different. And and so then the, the trans, I think it's just the new, the new ideology. The problem with it is, is it's really, when we start giving drugs and surgery to our children, this is where it goes. This is where it really goes wrong. And yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's fascinating the comparison you make there between sort of got, you know, goth culture and this social contagion. I, I, I was somebody who, you know, I, I think I probably had, uh, various stereotypically feminine traits when I was younger and I was I was kind of comfortable with this I I I indulge in a bit of goth culture I've worn you know chains on my jeans black nail polish at certain times and then yeah. luckily nobody's pushing you down the route of life altering surgery and or medicalization because you paint your nails black or certainly wasn't when I was a teenager and it just seems now especially with young girls unfortunately that there seems to be this, um, it seems to be the worst or most uncool thing in the world to be quote unquote cisgender normative are the terms they use to simply mean, you know, straight and, you know, identify with your biological sex. Every, almost every young person I've come into contact with in my immediate family, especially young girls over the last few years have bounced around from non-binary to demisexual to pansexual, depending on what week it is. And it's very clear this is something that's being fed and rewarded in school how, how difficult is it for young girls especially to navigate this ideology now and come out the other side unscathed there was this this woman wrote her her daughter had been transitioned to a man and i love this parent's letter to the school 
where they said, I had a daughter that was a straight A student and I had a daughter that was in sports and you never acknowledged her. And she tried so hard to be a good girl and to get the recognition and then had gone through things that young girls go through, you know, depression and, and, and feeling uncomfortable in their body or all young girls feel like they're ugly. And, and then you transitioned my daughter to a man without telling me, without knowing about it. And then suddenly you heaped upon her tons of praise and we're so supportive and you gave her a community and you told her she was great. As soon as she became a trans man, why didn't you give all of this affirmation about what a great young woman this is when she was a woman? And so I think what you see is a lot of these young girls desperately needing attention and they're getting it through this movement because all of the teachers are rewarding this. And, and I like watching the children and what they do. And, and this is where I think that this is going. And I hope that it is, is the last month or so you've seen children posting photos or not photos, videos of pushing back on the teachers and push, pushing back on the institution. And my favorite one was um, the teacher was trying to tell the other students that the young girl was now identifying as a cat. <laughs> and the students push back on the teacher like, she's not a cat, she's a young girl. And then the teacher threatened to admonish them and send them to the principal. They're like, it doesn't change anything. She's still a young girl, she's not a cat. And the kids are pushing back. And then the latest one that I saw was, it's not cool anymore to be trans. Now it's cool to be called trad. I'm like, what is trad? I mean, traditional wives, is it? Yeah. To be traditional, to be a traditional man, to be a traditional woman, to be traditional in your sexual preference or orientation. And and I think the kids are kind of circling back because what do children do? <laughs> they, they always push back against parents and against school. What I worry about as well. I mean, I agree with everything you just said. I mean, this is this is a, a debate, an argument I've been paying, been really invested in for years now. I, I produce a lot of content on it. I, tra I travel up and down the country and interview, you know, women's rights protests and movements outside, you know, Scottish Parliament, UK Parliament, places like that to get to get a flavour of it. And I, I often find that one of the big issues we have, even though I, I agree with what you just said, is it does sound an awful like a lot like the rhetoric that was directed towards gay people back in the day this idea of it it was just a trend it was learned behavior they'll grow out of it kind of attitude and i mean first of all i think it's it was a huge mistake and remains a mistake to conflate transgenderism with the gay right gay rights movement those things don't logically fit together as, as far as i'm concerned but i mean how do we reassure people we're not just a bunch of old fogies looking at the the latest new thing and and saying you know it's just a trend you'll grow out of it when really it might be comparative to the gay rights emancipation movement well you're seeing within the lgbtq community that the lgb are splitting from the tq yeah and we do have things that are trends and like like here's one like uh so do you remember back when they had the movie sybil who had, she had like 20, 25 different personalities. It rings a bell. And, and then after that movie came out, there was like a, it was something stupid, like 40,000% increase of psychologists diagnosing people with multiple personalities. Cause it was kind of like the trendy thing. And then after a few years, it, 
it went away because there are not that many people that have multiple personalities. The other thing that was trendy for a while for gay people was doing frontal lobotomies or anybody with a mental illness. Oh, God. And that has since gone on its way. I think this was like in the 30s and 40s. Um, actually, I think it was later. I'm, I'm going to say 50s where they did the frontal lobotomies. I'm getting my time frame. I'm, I want to say 50s. Look, I, I sort of, um, you know, uh, a, sort of like a, a gay cure idea. Like, a, is that, was that the, the idea? Things, anybody who had emotional issues, they uh, um, they would do a frontal lobotomy, which is basically like an ice pick through the lobbit or, or through the orbit. And that was a trendy thing for quite a while. And one of the things they treated was for gay people. And that has since gone by the wayside. And so Good. hopefully things that are common sense will stick around. So for people being gay, that's kind of gone on. People have always been gay. And it, and it should be supported. And gay marriage should be supported. And I think people who are truly trans should be supported. But there are very few truly trans people. And the rest of it is... I, I just think a fad that is going on, that it's cool to be trans. And I'm hoping that common sense will come back. The parents will come back into the room. And, you know, cause right now our, at all of our major institutions, my, my favorite thing is like the adults are gone from the room. And this will cycle back around. And I think one of the things that will help it cycle back around is the obvious unfairness of what's going on in sports. And then the next one is, when all of the lawsuits start lining up, suing all of these medical institutions for what they have done to their children. Um, I think the lawsuits will be another tipping point to, to stop the medicalization and the surgeries that are going on with children. One of the heartbreaking things, like, like I said, I, I studied this in all layers and levels, is um, when you listen to the detransitioners, and there, yeah. there's tens of thousands of them, is that children believe what they're told and they were told that you can truly change sex and they believed it and so then these children are transitioned and then they hit their 20s they're like i didn't change sex i'm still whatever sex i was but now i have forever harmed my body either with the drugs and or with the surgeries and and so every detransitioner that i've listened to is like where were the adults to protect me yeah. Where was the 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 medical profession to protect me? They they ran me down this conveyor belt to do this, saying that this would help me, and they didn't address either their autism or their Aspergers or their sexual trauma or their multitude of issues that that could have happened to these young people. Those things were not treated. They just ran them down this this conveyor belt. And when you really start getting into this, you I, I've watched a lot of different videos have been recorded of hospitals talking about this is the new way that we can make money. And they're setting up, you know, all of these gender, um, these gender clinics. And it's the new form of making money. And but these children are being told a lie that they can change sex. Yeah. I mean, this idea this crazy idea that's become mainstream that it's possible to be trapped in the wrong body has no basis in reality, no basis in medicine, science. It's a complete fiction, a fantasy. It's almost religious uh, in the way it's conveyed and it's caused untold damage. And this idea of, you know, 
making money off the back of this certainly has been a huge issue. I'm sure you've, you're aware of the sort of Tavistock Clinic in the UK and the yes. gender services there. And there's a great expose book on that for people who haven't read it called Time to Think, uh, I believe, which, which I recommend. And, you know, it's well documented in there that many of these clinics their entire raise on debt for the, the reason they existed basically was to prescribe puberty blockers and you know that's what people came to them for and they soon realized that if they didn't do this anymore they'd cease to exist uh, as a uh, a service uh, so that motivated a lot of it now i mean this idea of kids being pulled into this and having life on you know uh, changing surgery and medicalization is that going to be the red line for most people now uh, are people looking at this and then seeing obviously the, all the legal action that's coming the way of the tavistock clinic in the uk um are they now thinking this has gone too far now children are, are involved i i hope so i i feel bad for a lot of these parents because they are also too sold the lie listening to the medical Exactly, community yeah. and say, oh, you're going to have it. Would you rather have a live son or a dead daughter? And I call these all, you know, being held hostage or, or blackmail, like this whole thing. If, if I don't get my way, I'm going to commit suicide. We also call that emotional blackmail, that if you don't get what you want. And there, there's so many um, stories out there and the evidence behind it. If you get into some of these, um, I'll give you links to it later on of how these children are coached on how to get their way. And, and you start threatening suicide. And so then you have these very well-intentioned parents that go to their, you know, their medical providers. And then the, the medical providers say the exact same thing. You have to transition. And so you have these, these parents are just as vulnerable. And then the, the parents that push back are losing custody of their children. At first I thought, oh, this is just, you know, kind of like one-off incidents and, and that's actually happening. And yeah. then we have, I call it the parents, I call it, you know, Munchausen um, syndrome by proxy, where the, the new cool handbag, instead of having a Chanel or Gucci handbag or whatever's popular right now. Product yeah, is, I mean, I, I saw the case of, um, sorry, I, I saw the case of a trans couple in a relationship a while back who just so happens to have two trans children. I mean, what are the odds? <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> Yeah, what that that reminds you right up there with the cat that's vegan, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I, I mean, the ideological roots of this are uh, obvious to many of us. We can see how this is. I mean, obviously, we 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 separate people with gender dysphoria going through something very real, very very traumatic. I would imagine, and they need help they need treatment etc but at what point did we become of the opinion that the best way to treat someone's belief that they're the wrong sex by you know carrying out surgeries to try and make them an approximation of the opposite sex i mean someone made a great comparison uh, about and i forget who it was but it, it's like uh, somebody who's anorexic for instance going to the doctors and complaining that they're overweight uh, they're obsessed they've got body just you know they think they're hideous and they're overweight and obese and the doctor and says okay yeah let's let's prescribe liposuction for instance it seems like this is a similar kind of uh uh way of looking at it in terms of transitioning people is that you or me i think that's me and i have my phone turned off and <laughs> it's still coming through so i threw it <laughs> under a pillow heck that'll do it yeah so i mean <laughs> at, at what point did at what point did we decide that affirming 
these conditions was the best mode of treatment? I'm going to go back to the, the huge lobby behind this and, and, and big pharma. Um, and I hate doing that because I'm not a conspiracy theorist person, but when you, when you look at the money behind this, you know, starting off with, you know, Stryker and, and they're huge into the pharmaceuticals. And when you get into the, the systems like we have here in the States, that the, the lobbying behind this to approve it, pharma is a huge lobbying power. And if you can change the language in when you have the money to change the language of in, in medicine to what a woman is and we're not women anymore, and you have the ability to change um, the psychiatry diagnosis from it's not a mental illness any anymore. And when you have, when you do, when you have the money to change science and, and you're not actually changing science, but you're rewriting the language and you have the ability to make people tell a lie and to and to back it up. What is what is going on in the background behind this that we could be pushing this ideology onto the children and onto parents and making people accept it? Even when they don't, like most of the parents that we talk to, they don't want to do this to their children, but it's being it's being forced upon them. Or yeah, they're losing they custody. What was going on over in, in California where it's become a sanctuary state where people, where the children can leave? I don't think I'm having this one quite right, but it, they, um, they're allowing children to, um, to be emancipated from their parents. And, and that's when it really starts getting scary is when you, when you take the children. I mean, it's well, almost beginning to remind me of Nazi Germany all over again. <laughs> I don't want to end on the Nazis. So I suppose in the last minute, and I think this is really important for people to understand, because obviously when this conversation is framed in the difference between men and women, when it pertains to sport, the often often the assumptions being made that I'm we're somehow saying women are weak, weaker, women are inferior. And, and that's really not what we're saying. I mean, how best can you sum it up and let people know that, you know, the extraordinary accomplishments of female athletes and why that needs to be protected from the incursions of mediocre men? Yeah, I mean, we are unique unto ourselves. We're not small men. We're not men with low testosterone. We're, we're women and we are, we are half of the population. And to watch a woman athlete at her best it's absolute beauty to watch. And, and I prefer watching the women, but, but to watch a woman at her very, like I said, it is just, it's beautiful to watch. And nobody, none of us signed up to watch a mediocre male at his best. We're going to watch <laughs> the very best. And... I agree. Well, Inga, we've just run out of time, but I, I want to say thank you for coming on. I, I really appreciate you speaking publicly about this because I'm, I'm really well aware of the pushback people get, especially women, unfortunately, for, like I say, rising the head above the parapet. So thank you very much. And hopefully we'll we'll see some true, true progress in this area soon. I deeply appreciate people like you that are willing to to go after. I'm sure you're going to have a huge amount of backlash for covering this. And it takes brave people like you and brave media to start stepping up and covering this. And this is one of the things I would say that will help this change take place is, is truth, is exposure. It's pointing out everything and, and it, it takes people like you. And so I appreciate you 
covering this topic and you're obviously quite well read on it and i appreciate that too that's wonderfully kind appreciated thank you very much for, for speaking to us thank you for having me no problem take care bye